Welcome to Building Insight, brought to you by the lawyers at Glayholt LLP. Building Insight is Canada's first podcast dedicated to construction law and dispute resolution. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Glayholt LLP's podcast, Building Insight. I'm Lena Wang, an associate at Glayholt. And I'm Kaylee Duvernay, also an associate at Glayholt LLP. The subject of our discussion today is diversity in the construction industry, and particularly the role of women in the construction bar. On this episode, we are fortunate enough to have two guests who are setting examples in the profession of strong leadership and involvement from diverse backgrounds. Leah Nebo, who has been elected as chair of the Ontario Bar Association's Construction and Infrastructure Section, the first female chair in over a decade and Sandra Astolfo, who is the youngest and first female recipient of the OBA Construction Award of Excellence. Sandra Astolfo is a partner at Weirfolds LLP with a practice in infrastructure and construction law. Sandra has more than 22 years of experience in construction law, is a fellow of the Canadian College of Construction Lawyers, and a sought-after speaker on topics related to construction law. Leah Nebo is a partner at Blaney McMurtry LLP and is the co-chair of the firm's construction law group. Leah has received recognition for her outstanding leadership in the industry, including as a recipient of the Young Construction Executive Leadership Award. Sandra and Leah have kindly agreed to talk about their own personal experiences as female counsel in the construction industry. We want to note for our listeners that they are sharing their own views and not those of their employers or other organizations. We would also like to note for our listeners that this podcast has been accredited for 30 minutes of equality, diversity, and inclusion professionalism hours by the Law Society of Ontario. If you are logging these hours, please email us at info at glayholt.com. Leah and Sandra, thank you for joining us today. Leah, could you start by telling us a bit about the beginning of your career and how you ended up in construction law? First of all, I'd like to say thank you for having me on your podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. My start uh, in law, in particular in construction, um, didn't start at the very beginning for me. I had articled at a previous firm, not the firm that I'm at right now, and I um, sat beside a construction law group, a very large construction law group, and I remember at the time thinking that, oh, that must be so boring. I you know, could never see myself um, working in construction. I knew that, uh, I always knew that I wanted to be a lawyer, and I pretty much knew that I wanted to be a litigator, um, but I really had never thought about a career in construction law. It wasn't until um, I came to my present firm and was a young associate that I really got a lot more exposure to the area, and that's when my interest developed. And Sandra, could you please tell us a bit about the start to your career and what led you to pursue a career in construction law? I echo um, Leah's Thank you for having us today, and I really appreciate this opportunity. Um, Towards the end of my articling career, um, uh, David Bristow, then chair of the construction group of the firm I was articling at, asked me if I had any interest in the practice of construction law. Although I knew David was a leader in the area and that he had co-authored the text, the leading text on construction law at the time, I had no idea what the practice of construction law would look like. Um, So I had a a mentor outside of the firm, and I called him up, and I asked him, what do you think about this opportunity? And interestingly, he said that it was a great area of law in that um, you read and interpret contracts, you have a lot of courtroom experience, you'll get exposed to bankruptcy law, and that I would never be short of work. 
Um, according to him, in good times, you can be drafting contracts uh, for new projects, and in bad times, you'd be litigating disputes. Uh, he also indicated that at the time, there were so few uh, female construction lawyers in the construction bar, and that it would be quite easy for me to distinguish myself should I choose to continue down this path. That brings us uh, very nicely to our next question. Um, this one's for both of you. Did you have any female role models at the start of your career in construction law? And we'll start with you first, Leah. I would say uh, no. My primary mentor um, was a male, and um, he really introduced me to what it would be like to practice in construction law and really took the time to bring me along um, to see clients, which I thought was really important, and also uh, got me involved in the files. I, I didn't do discrete tasks. I was able to get involved on an entire file and understand you know, what the objectives were of the client and the, and the strategy considerations. And I think by doing that, um, that really helped me along in terms of deciding that you know this really is something that I am interested in. There um, was a more um, senior female associate who turned partner, and she was a quasi-mentor to me. Um, she ended up going in-house after a while. So in terms of private practice, I would say that my primary mentor was uh, a very uh, outstanding uh, male lawyer. And Sandra? I would say I had a similar experience. Um, I uh, did not have any female role models um, at the beginning of my career. Uh, that doesn't mean that the handful of senior uh, construction women refused to be uh, mentors. I, like Leah, had um, some significant and amazing male role models um, throughout my career and probably still today. I have a, um, that relationship. And uh, I think because that need was filled with male role models, I really wasn't looking for a female role model to fill the gaps in my career. Um, Sandra, given your involvement in the industry and organizations within the industry, such as the Toronto Construction Association, have you observed any changes in the role of women in leadership positions in the industry? I think over time, I've seen uh, a significant growth in the number of female lawyers moving from private practice to in-house uh, positions in the construction area. Uh, in the role of the project lawyer for the project owner, contractor, subcontractor, it is wonderful to see these women and how they handle their leadership roles. They're smart, efficient, and bring a fresh perspective to handling the various construction disputes that we see. Um, I think this growth has happened actually organically and may be the result of a desire for female construction lawyers to have bigger leadership roles that they might not um, uh, gain at um, firms. And uh, in-house lawyers, will, everyone tells me they work long hours and they face intense pressures, probably similar to private practice pressures. So there's got to be something in that role. And in my opinion, I think it's the opportunity to be a leader and uh, bring uh, something new and fresh to that position. I think that in the industry itself, I think there hasn't been a lot of uh, change uh, mm -hmm. since I've been a lawyer. I think particularly in the last year or two, um, socially, I think there's a lot more talk about trying to promote women and people of diverse uh, cultures within the industry. 
Um, right now, I think it's more an exception rather than the norm. So, for example, if we're working on a file, I really can't uh, remember the last file where there was a female project manager, for example. Um, there's not a lot of uh, female CEOs um, who lead construction companies in Canada. There are definitely a few uh, trailblazers um, and also chairs of committees. There, there are a few, uh, but board members in the construction industry for companies. I think that, again, it's really the exception and not the norm. But I do see the tides uh, changing, particularly in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. I agree. And we know that the Canadian Construction Association has observed that inclusive workplaces in construction will be on the rise in 2019. And I think that segues nicely into our next question for you, Leah. Um, Are there any areas you note in the construction industry that you believe might benefit from broader diversity or the inclusion of women? I think in any type of industry that when you diversify your workforce, I think that is important because you have people that will have different opinions. In some cases, that can also mean um, better problem solving. You also have a larger pool of candidates to draw from uh, when you're looking to um, staff your companies. With respect to the construction industry, from what I've read, uh, it appears that women are still more likely to be found in administrative roles than in the field. And so it would be nice if um, that could change. Also, I think something that I've already touched on is broader diversity within the corporate structure at management levels and uh, board levels as well. Uh, The next question is for both Sandra and Leah. What advice would you give to younger lawyers now that you're both leading female role models for other young construction lawyers? My first advice, piece of advice would be don't quit. Or at least before you quit, talk to somebody. Everyone has bad days or bad months, but before you leave, give your firm a chance to see if if these issues can be addressed. Whether it's late hours, tedious or boring work, or the quality of the work that you're getting, or dealing with a difficult personality, see if there's someone in your firm that you can talk to. If you can address the issue in-house, reach out to one of the senior construction lawyers, both male or female, and see if they can give you some tips on how um, to deal with the problem or address the issue. Chances are the problems that you're facing are not unique, and perhaps there is a solution that that you can draw upon from speaking to others. Firms definitely don't want to see their lawyers leave, but unless you tell them that there's an issue, they might not be able to um, uh, realize that there's a problem before you decide to tender your resignation. I think it's disheartening to see the number of female lawyers who leave private practice. If they don't like the area of law, that's fine. There's no point in doing something that you hate. But if your firm can make a change so that you stay, then find somebody to talk to. One way to find people to talk to is to get involved, to go to the OBA, go to continuing education programs, and introduce yourself. You're going to develop a rapport and perhaps create that resource of somebody that you can talk to. Unfortunately, no one can get to know you outside of your firm if you only stay in your office and work. The advice that I would give to younger lawyers is to realize that um, practicing law and having the skills necessary to assist your clients and to be an effective advocate doesn't happen overnight. Uh, A lot of um, 
people when they start out want everything yesterday. And I think you have to realize that it's a long career and it's a process. So the first thing I would suggest younger lawyers focus on is really uh, gaining your skills. Work on your skills, improve your skills, because if you have those skills and you're good at what you do, doors are going to open for you. I also think that you need to find your inner voice and you need to build some self-confidence. So that means sometimes stepping out of your comfort zone, if somebody asks you to participate in something, even if you've never done it before, make yourself do it. And you'll be really glad that you did because the next time it's going to be a lot easier. And also participation, which I think is something that Sandra said, is if somebody wants to include you in something, you should really do it. But you also have to seek out opportunities for yourself. So in terms of practicing law, Uh, If you helped a lawyer on a file and they're going off to a discovery or a mediation, you really should, if they don't invite you, you really should ask them if you can come along. You need to take charge of your own career and can't always wait for people to give you the opportunity. And I think the best way to learn how to practice law is really to get in on as many experiences as you can and to shadow people and to be involved. Even if you're not going to be the the lead counsel on the matter, I think you'll learn a lot about your own personal style and how you'd like to practice law by being with different people and learning what uh, suits you the best. Thank you. And another question for both of you. Throughout your career pursuits, what has been something that drives you or has inspired you along the way? Leah, why don't we start with you? Well, this answer for me, I think is easy is because I always enjoy helping people and helping the client. And at the end of the day, whatever's going on in your life or office politics or different things in the world, um, the best satisfaction I can get from my career is knowing that I've been able to have a client um, that I can help and that has counted on me and I've been able to come through for them, win or lose in a case, the fact that I was there to help uh, guide them and they counted on me, I get a lot of satisfaction out of doing that. And I think that's what keeps me going in this profession. Um, for, for myself, I, th- I think it's the finding the opportunity to find creative solutions to challenging problems. Um, I like the brainstorming. Many times when I have a problem, I'll talk to my colleagues and we'll talk about different perspectives and we'll put it on the board. And that um, process is extremely satisfying and thrilling and uh, really, I'm at my best when I see um, a collaborative and creative process, even involving the clients. How do we approach this issue? Um, Is there another way? And and putting all those different ideas in one spot to tackle something um, is quite creative and, and challenging. Sandra, do you believe that diversity plays a role in fostering a productive and effective working environment in the construction legal profession? And what do you see are the benefits of striving for diversity in the practice of construction law? I think to have uh, creativity and collaboration, you need diversity. Um, I have a a bit of a story that somebody told me, um, and they said, if you had four people writing a standardized test, 
um, and three people came in with the standard answer that you considered your standard answer, and you wanted this person to be on a team, and the th fourth person came in with different answers, who should you hire? And, and the answer, according to the story, is that you hire the person with the non-standard answers because they create uh, and bring a diverse approach to any of your problems that the team is tackling. And so I think... Um, Having heard that story um, many times now, when somebody's bringing a different perspective uh, to a matter, I try to pause and consider the approach and see if perhaps my theory could incorporate that approach to create a different solution or a better solution. Um, and it just makes me pause to think um, that there are different ways to looking at uh, a problem or a fact issue or even the law. And so uh, I think that uh, benefits everyone on the team and uh, benefits the client at the end. And in your experience as a member of the OBA um, and as a fellow of the CCCL, have you been part of any discussions about diversity and particularly the role of women? Uh, yes, uh, partially. My involvement in these discussions have highlighted actually the slow growth in the number of women in private practice, particularly in the construction law bar. And I think there are significantly more women, as I indicated, in the legal departments um, that uh, for owners, contractors, and subcontractors. But how we keep women in the private practice so that they rise up to the executive level and become fellows within the Canadian College of Construction Lawyers is a real issue. Um, I know specifically for the Canadian College, um, it's actively promoting women who are currently fellows within, um, within the, the fellowship into leadership positions and decision makers and they are bringing uh, change and perspective to the college and uh, there's definitely a desire to increase um, the membership both for the OBA construction executive um, as well as um, the Canadian College. Thank you and another question for Leah. Are there any other initiatives that promote diversity that you have been a part of or support? Certainly at um, the law firm that I work at, in terms of recruitment, anybody who's involved in the recruitment process has to go through uncon unconscious uh, bias training. So I think that's a really good start. When I think about what is there in the industry, with my own experiences with the Ontario Bar Associ Association, I know that um, if you're going to organize uh, a CPD program, that there is a requirement that the panel of speakers are, are diverse. So what that forces you to do, and I think it is a really good thing, is not always to draw from the same pool of speakers who always speak on the topics. It's to think about other people who may not necessarily have gotten involved, but you think that they would be a good speaker. And I think what that does is over time, you're going to see a change in the people that are going to be speaking on these CPD panels, and I think that's a good thing. The other um, area is the Canadian Association of Women in Construction. They have a mentorship program, and it's not just for lawyers, it's for anybody in the construction industry. The other thing that they do is they have bursary programs. 
So if you're enrolled in a construction-related university or college program and apply, I know that they award bursaries each year um, to assist students who may be interested in furthering their career in the construction industry. So I would fully support that. This is, again, for both uh, Sandra and Leah. You're both partners at mid to large firms in downtown Toronto. And we know that in our profession, generally, there are still male partners um, than female partners, despite the gender balance that's been reached at law school. As female partners in private practice, do you have any thoughts on this that you'd like to share with us? I think, again, the issue is retaining females in private practice. Based on my experience, there is a trend, um, particularly after female lawyers have children, um, to seek out in-house positions. And I don't really know why that is, whether they think it's going to be easier managing having a child um, and working full-time at an in-house position. From what I understand from speaking to um, other lawyers in-house, um, it's not really the, it's not always a, a work-life uh, balance um, comparison. They work just as hard as people in private practice. I'm wondering sometimes whether women just decide to take those positions without really speaking to other people. Maybe they don't have the confidence that they can manage it. So I think you need to have people within the firm that are going to take an interest in helping retain talented women and letting them know that, you know, maybe in the first few years while your children are younger, um, you know, we're not going to expect you to bill as much as one of your peers who didn't just have a child. And that's okay because we know as your children get older and you have more time to devote to your career that you're going to stay with us. And we've put a lot of money and resources into training you and we're going to be okay with that because we know that you're going to be here for the long haul. And I think if female lawyers were told that or the firm actively encouraged them to keep going, um, I think that you would see a lot more women staying in private practice. Well, um, my perspective is a bit unique in that uh, the firm I'm currently at, female lawyers in the construction group outweigh um, the male lawyer partners. So we have a greater number of female partners. And I think there's only one other firm that has a significant number of uh, female construction lawyers and partners, um, and I think they exceed by a significant ratio over the male um, construction lawyers. But that, that, those are, I think, two unique um, situations. And um, I think female lawyers, or even male lawyers, have to find the firm that fits um, and fits with their values. So um, if the firm's approach to work doesn't meet or um, is not similar to your approach to life um, and you don't like working midnight to midnight every night and every single weekend, then you need to find a different place and the only way that you can find a different place is by communicating with people in the construction bar and, and listening to their experiences and how perhaps their firms are um, managing and if they value that um, type of relationship and how they're achieving those goals. Um, but you're right, they ha you, you know, I don't know, it's usually seven to ten years before you become a partner, so you have to make sure that your associates stay that long so that they then can um, be put forward as a partner and considered for partnership. 
I also think that some firms need to look at different compensation models. Mm-hmm. Uh, some firms base it almost entirely on the numbers. And I think that there are sometimes, and even with male lawyers, there are people who do pretty well with the numbers, but they bring a lot more to the firm. For instance, their door is always open and they're mentoring people. Um, They're contributing to a really positive work environment. So I think some of those things also have to be valued as well. And I, I, I don't think that's only a female issue. I think it's just... Um, you know, we've always done things a certain way and maybe now we can look at, at changing things and thinking you know why have we always done it that way mm-hmm. and I think that will also help contribute to retaining people in general that's a great point Leah thank you and one final question for the both of you ultimately what would you like to see in terms of the progression of diversity and the role of women in construction law Touching on Leah's answer, I I would like to see a shift in the mindset as female and male lawyers start having families. Ideally, firms need to check in on their lawyers to see if the work style pre-kids is working post-kids. And if there are changes to be made to uh, create a better transition and to make the work-life balance better, um, then those changes need to be considered. I'd like to also, if we could, get rid of the um, FaceTime rule and uh, being there late just for the sake of being there. Uh, in my opinion, I, I think it just breeds inefficiencies uh, during the day. And to pick up a, a comment that Leah made is um, that firms need to realize that it's okay uh, if their lawyers go home and have dinner with their families or scoot out early to go see their kids' recitals, um, encouraging personal time and seeing that as a value, um, I, I believe, breeds um, uh, loyalty. And uh, as Leah said, once the kids are, are grown up, um, you, your lawyers will come back and uh, continue back to the longer hours and um, being you know, more productive in the billing part. They're always productive, but increasing that productivity. Um, practicing law, uh, particularly in construction law, is challenging, and that uh, everyone here uh, today has had to miss uh, family commitments or um, life events, other life events, because um, we had to because of work commitments. But that shouldn't be the norm. You shouldn't always be absent um, from your outside work life, and. Uh, we shouldn't, the firm shouldn't assume that it's only female lawyers who want to actually have an outside life and check in with their male counterparts and see if, um, you know, if they want to increase um, family time and how the firm and the lawyer can accomplish that goal. Um, I think without these changes, um, we're going to continue to see a small amount of female construction lawyers um, that are post 20 years of experience unless uh, people start thinking about um, you know, how to encourage them to stay and uh, make things work for the firm and the lawyer. Ideally, I'd like to get to a point where we don't even have to have this type of podcast, <laughs> where this isn't even an issue anymore. If uh, if somebody from a different background or culture or female wants to be a construction uh, lawyer or wants to be working in the field as a, 
a project manager or a drywaller, plumber, electrician that they can, and it's not a big deal. So that would be kind of a utopian type idea. But what I would like to see in the next few years uh, in the legal industry, if possible, would be more women in roles such as mediators or arbitrators Mm -hmm. or adjudicators with the changes to the Construction Act uh, I think there's a great opportunity for more females to try and get involved at the adjudication um, level because right now most of our choices uh, for mediators and arbitrators are males and I think that's really a function of there weren't a lot of female construction lawyers historically, and so those who have the most experience probably are um, the males that have been involved in the industry for a long time. But I I think that that would be refreshing instead of being um, also the only female in the room at a mediation where there's 20 people around the table. It would be nice to see other faces and to figure out how how to get that table um, more diverse. I think Part of this is going to have to start at a young age with with children, with socialization, with awareness and educating younger generations in school about the ability to have a career in construction. That's not something that I remember even being discussed when I went to school. So I think that greater effort should be concentrated in those areas. Skilled trades were looked at as for students who weren't good at academics. Mm -hmm. And that really isn't the case. Some of the smartest people I know um, and who I really look up to in terms of their abilities are people that have excelled um, in a skilled trade. So I think mindsets have to change, and it's not just for boys, construction. Girls can be in construction too, and I think from a very early age, that's not communicated. And I think over time, if we keep repeating that message and letting people know that, yes, if you grow up and you want to be in construction, that's okay. It's okay as a female that you're going to get dirty on site and that you're going to use your muscles and your your body for the physical labor that's okay you don't have to work in the office fetching coffee for your boss or answering the phones you you can do other things as well so I think hopefully over time um, as that message keeps getting transmitted and reinforced that um, maybe decades from now we'll, we'll have that switch in the mindset and I think that's really something that we can strive for and we can make happen. Something uh, you've both touched on today, I think, is that it's important to have, uh, to set examples and for those younger lawyers or younger women in the industry to to have those examples to look up to um, in order to continue to strive um, for whatever whatever it is you want to. So thank you both both for um, being such good examples. Um, and for taking the time to share your insights with us today. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you once again. Yeah. 
Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. And visit glayholt.com for more information. If you have any questions, email us at info at We look forward to having you join us again.